Welcome to Women on Wealth, a podcast by women for women. Our mission is to empower women to embrace the discussion around wealth, demystify finance and market-related topics, and break down the emotions that surround these decisions. Your host is Julina Ogilvie, partner and wealth advisor with Principal Wealth Partners. She's a certified private wealth advisor and a certified investment management analyst with over 20 years of industry experience. Well, welcome everyone to Women on Wealth. And our topic today is Financial Fitness Unleashed, where I am talking to the founder, uh, Rachelle Minnie. And our missions are aligned. So I'm excited about this conversation today. And interestingly enough, our backgrounds are are also aligned. We're going to talk about her firm in a minute, Financial Fitness Unleashed. But prior to that, she spent some time, just like I did on the asset management side, at one of the most prominent firms in the industry, Vanguard. I'm sure many listening own one of their investments. And Rachelle was also a financial advisor for a number of years. So with all this success, first of all, welcome. (laughs) I just wanted to dive right in. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So you you clearly have had a very successful background. Why did you pivot to Financial Fitness Unleashed? You created your own firm. And can you talk about what it is? Yeah, I would love to. So as an advisor, I really noticed a lot of women in particular, I worked with a lot of men over the years, right? Many, many of the men in the relationship or in business are the ones running the money, running the show, right? Which I thought was interesting. And then when I did work with women, it was just a whole different conversation, different questions being asked, different concerns. And even if there were similar concerns with the men, they weren't questions that were being asked. And so I always found that fascinating from a psychology lens. And I always noticed spending a lot more time with women addressing the emotional side, especially when it came to investing. And I just really had this passion for sharing as a woman, my experience and, you know, talking to all these people and being able to support women in really moving through and navigating the emotional component of money and specifically with investing as my career progressed. But what I also realized is there was a huge gap in the industry because there weren't a lot of women who were in financial advising. There weren't a lot of women who were managing their money. And if there were, there were just a lot more questions and a lot more uncertainty. I'm sure you experienced that too. So (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's like, okay, there's definitely a market here where I can do a better job helping these women really get started and understand money in a, an emotional way, in a psychological way, because that's how they want to understand. And that's the lens they look at at first, but then also be able to get over a lot of the fears and make decisions and confidently make decisions with their money and at the basic level, but then even from a standpoint of accepting and acknowledging that it's possible to build wealth and lots of it and not be afraid of that either. And it's something that I had to work on within my own journey, but it's something that I just like, I really want that for us. And I, all the statistics I've ever read, you know, like less than 15% of women make over a hundred thousand dollars. And we never started 
opening bank accounts and doing all these things until the 60s. So like, we're really new at this. If you think about the history of money and there's a lot more progress we get to make with it. And I just decided that, you know, I'm ready to be on the forefront of that and really lead in that space and, and be that support system. I love it. And I, and I have to ask the women that you were working with, Mm -hmm. were they, were they proactively trying to be more involved as they were in their marital relationship or were they, was it more often that they were divorced or, you know, a widow and they were forced to take that step? It was a forced, it was a forced requirement. Right. And it it wasn't something they had planned for or wanted or, Mm -hmm. you know, actively pursued. It was, oh, I got this windfall of money and I need to figure it out. And I'm scared. I got divorced and I need to figure that out. It's my husband passed away. I need to figure that out. Right. Those are like the main three, the main three. Absolutely. Because to this day, you know, someone says, well, what do you do? Oh, I'm a financial advisor. And the, the response from women is almost all the time. Oh, you do that. I just let my husband deal with that. I, and it's so hard to you know, you don't want to get into this negative conversation with them, but it's like, well, I hate to say it, but you can't just rely on, on your spouse all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you yeah. don't trust them and you maybe don't, you know, that you don't love them, but yeah. God forbid. Well, and I, I will dig into it because now that I'm no longer attached to like a firm where I'm, you know, representing a Vanguard or anyone yeah. else, <laughs> I will dive in. I'll be like, look, okay. You can be more vocal. <laughs> right. Right. This is where we get to go with this. And, and here's why, because I have so many stories of speaking to the 70 year old woman who lost her spouse and he did everything and having, you know, her cry on the phone for hours before yes. we could even, you know, make decisions or make progress. And it's like, I want more for the women who are 30, 40, 50 years old. And we have an opportunity that, that women who are in their seventies and eighties didn't have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and this is an interesting time because we're recording this in 2022 and this has been a rough start. So I've walked two clients off the ledge in the last week to convince them to stay in the market and to participate. And they were both, I hate to say it. They were both women. They were very emotional and both of them were relatively new to investing despite their age. That's very difficult, right? To get them to the end goal, but not have them derail halfway through it. Yep. So, yeah. So talk, talk a little bit about financial fitness unleashed. How did you go about actually making this transition, deciding to start your own, your own company and then, and, and, and what are you trying to do with it? Yeah. So when I started financial fitness unleashed, I was going through just a rough patch financially. I had had a bankruptcy due to medical bills and all these things that were coming up in my life. And just recognizing like, wow, okay, after that, going through that, it was really questioning, you know, how do I get to show up in finance to support these difficult times, difficult conversations? Because this was like right after 2008. So it was already hard enough. And then like for myself, I had health problems and all these other things going on. So I was doing a dig dive personally with how do I get to show up differently? How does my life get to look different moving forward? And I went through a nutrition program that helped me with the health part of it. And it was so beautiful because the way it was laid out was every single day I got this email, I got support and it was like 10 or 15 minutes, just focusing on this topic, right? 
This is what you need for vitamins. This is what you need for this habit, for that habit, for eating right and, and simplifying everything, right? Like it's just yeah. creating ease and a no brainer out of everything. And I was like, wow, what if I could do this with finances? So that's like where it started. I literally just copied the formula, right? Of how they did it and applied it to finances and the habits and the mindset piece of it. And did it with some of the clients I had at the time. And it was mind blowing how much further along they progress just by these little daily chunks of, of habits and information, right. And breaking it down. And so after that, I just kind of went full steam ahead with creating more and more and more content around that. And during the pandemic, I created a community called Her Money Club. And that's really my main focus at this point is how do I do that same process, but apply it to helping women leave their corporate job, monetize their skills, get them to $100,000 of cash flow so that they can start building wealth and work with someone like you who can grow that wealth, right? So how do we fill that gap? Because that seems to be a really big gap that you know, everyone seems to want more money and want all these things, but it's like, how do you actually get there? And how do you do it in a way that provides ease and, you know, fulfillment and time freedom and all the other things you want too, right? right. And how do you, it's not an overnight, that? it's not right. an overnight win. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's so. great. And you're reminding me, I read in the pandemic, Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of that book and exactly what you're describing, just these small incremental changes and in how they have these larger um, larger rates of success. So I think that's fantastic. And go ahead, talk about our money club and, and you have a podcast uh, I do. as well. You know, talk about how that fits in with the, with the business. Yeah. What I realized is women love stories. Women love to hear someone else share how they made something happen or how it was made possible. So when I started sharing a lot of the, um, testimonials and things in our group, I recognize like that was the easiest path to get people to see like it was possible for them. So I just started collecting stories and um, from all different types of women all over the world. I met a lot of women in one of the um, programs that I did for my own um, like growth in business in in understanding online business building better. And so from there, it just kind of progressed into, okay, I could collect their stories. I could ask more women that I knew, you know, would they share their story and really talk about the scary things, right? Like what's your biggest fear with money? What is the uncomfortable conversations you're not having around money with yourself, with your spouse, with whomever, right? right? And really dig into that side of it versus, you know, on the investing side in the financial advisory world, and maybe not so much for you because you are are private and not with a big firm, but on the big firm side, it's like very, very structured. Like these are things we talk about. We don't talk about all the other things that like matter from an emotional capacity and the psychology behind it. So that's where it's like, okay, how do I actually talk about those pieces that address you know, the fears, the, um, concerns, the, you know, the shame around money even, right. Like there's a underlying currents of that. So, yeah. And, and you mentioned this in the beginning and I wanted to circle back because I, I share the same experience as you. I feel like 20 years ago in this business, uh, you know, firms like a Vanguard, I worked at Lord Abbott and JP Morgan and, and the big firms like Merrill Lynch and Morgan Stanley, all these big firms wanted more women. 
Mm -hmm. right? And the goal 20 years ago was we're going to have more professional women. And here we are 20 years later. And my opinion, it is, it is gone literally nowhere, right? There's been an incremental increase, but it is, and I think that's part of the challenge. I'm not saying men can't help women financially. Of course they can, but I, sometimes there's that emotional barrier that, um, that, that just can't connect. Uh, I hear it all the time from women. They're like, oh, I have a male financial advisor. He's really good, but, but he doesn't really know me or he doesn't understand me or I can't ask questions. I don't understand what he's saying. Yeah. It, like, yes, exactly. No questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, so you, you agree. And I, it, I don't understand why we still don't have more women in this industry, despite all of this attempt from all of the largest firms, but I think it has to do with just our, even our upbringing, right? Like maybe you're not good at math. So therefore you feel like you can't be good at, you know, financial advising and, and, and industries like this, right. Same thing with clients. Like it all stems from this, like very early on, like we like, we like to do our hair or makeup or pretty things and, and whatever. And so that makes the job jobs, makeup artist and, you know, hairstylist, you know, it's just like allowing ourselves to fully step into and be even kind of nudged in a direction where it's like, heck yeah, you can be a financial advisor. Right. And like, Especially if you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I think that's at least in my experience, what at the millennial stage, like where we, we, you know, we didn't get nudged in a particular direction, yeah. but I do feel like, you know, some of, some of the women in their twenties and, and, and younger are able to see how it's possible to do this differently using social media, using other platforms, you know, not working for a big firm. Right. Right. But like, Oh, like I'm learning this on my own. I'm blogging about money. I'm doing these things so I can share, you know, just my experience with it. And that creates a lot of momentum for everyone who's watching and listening. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Thank you for that. And, and and another comment you made going back to sort of your money stories, when I was interviewing women for ideas for this podcast, uh, I, I realized very quickly, and I'm using the research again, hopefully for a book that women especially have money memories, Mm -hmm. that there was something very early in their childhood that instilled some type of emotion, some type of habit around money. You're nodding your head. I'm, I'm, it sounds like you, you have probably experienced the same thing in working with women. I don't know if there's anything you can share there. Yeah. Just my own story in this, because as a child, I was the firstborn, and my father would constantly talk to me about money. He was an entrepreneur. He's in real estate. And so for me, it was like this very enthralling conversation that we'd have around money and like how much he would make and how and why. And, and I loved those conversations. I loved I was told daddy's girl, like, let's go like, look at real estate today. Let's yeah. go. Do, do that. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what's happening. I just like spending time with him. Right. And yeah. I I'm in reflecting back on that. I was like, wow, like how unique is that experience compared to a lot of, you know, other people's experience with money. And he also set up a system where we would get paid for chores. And I loved that. Like I loved specifically, I remember being in second grade and like, I would have my dollar to go buy my soda, to buy my pizza. Right. And I had enough to buy a friend, you know, some soda too. And, and I just felt really good about having done something to create something to then like experience it. Right. And that was from a very, very young age. So I'm just super grateful that he instilled that in myself so early 
But then I'm also super grateful for, for the more negative experiences, like having going through bankruptcy and feeling the fear and the shame and the guilt and all of the emotional side of doing something like that and sure. coming out on the other side and still making, you know, in my lifetime made over seven figures of income and creating a lot of wealth for my, right? Like there's the spectrum of it. Absolutely. And it's like so powerful to be able to navigate that and then support others in navigating that too. Yeah. I didn't know that your dad was in real estate. My, my mother was real, was in real estate. So very similar, uh, very similar backgrounds there as well. And I remember using my allowance and cleaning the house. I was obsessed with cleaning our house for money. And it was in particular the food pantry. And um, for some reason, the floor and the the hardwood floor, my parent, my family would slip because Mm -hmm. I would polish the floor, Um, but I made money. So (laughs) I mowed the lawn as often as I could. Like if you would let me mow the lawn to make 10 bucks, I would do that. (laughs) Absolutely. So, and what about, you also talk about eliminating overwhelmed feelings around money. What does that process look like? And what's your experience been there with women? Yeah. So I'm actually trained in neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. So I used um, some processes from NLP to help women in a simple way to put it like decide, commit and resolve. So making the decision that this is how they get to operate moving forward from an emotional state, right? You can shift right. your emotional state, then, re- then committing to that process of practice. If we want to shift from overwhelm to contentment or fulfillment or whatever word that they choose based on their neurology, yeah. we can step into that and I'll give them different practices on how they can practice that emotional state. And then the resolve part is, again, just kind of navigating through like, okay, when you do feel overwhelmed, what is actually happening? Like my personal favorite story is like, every time I'm at Target, I always buy way more than I, than I planned on the minute I walk in the door. Of course. (laughs) Like there's never a time when it stays under a hundred dollars just is the thing. And then the immediate practice emotion I feel when I leave Target is guilt like, fuck, I didn't stick to my budget, (laughs) whatever. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, can I change that? Yeah, absolutely. Can I, you know, step into my future self and recognize that like it is a discipline It is respecting myself to stick to the plan. Right. Right. Have a list when I walk in. And for a long time, I just didn't walk into target because I knew how I operated. Right. So until I figured out how do I get to, you know, be in this space and how do I get to be on the other side of it and really feel good about it? Really feel like, cool. I figured it out. I'm content. I'm you know happy with my purchases, but I'm not feeling guilty. And a lot of it is awareness, right? Just being aware that we're even feeling that way in these moments and slowing down enough taking time to maybe journal on it and taking time to recognize these awareness pieces so that you can shift the emotional state. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying not to laugh because one of my to-dos for this week is to go to Costco or BJ's. And I always have that level of guilt when I walk out, despite going in with a list, Mm -hmm. right? It's no, but I think it's an important message. It's never perfect. Um, But I think having an awareness for it helps create some more of that control, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever really goes away. It, 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 at least for, for me, it never has. It, I think it can, right. But I think it, it's a matter of us deciding that it gets, that we don't have to feel guilty, right? Like sure. feeling sure. part of it. Maybe right? I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> right. 
Well, and I finally did get there because I was such an overspender and shopper. And like, I had to, like, I was required to after bankruptcy, like you can't just overspend, right. You don't have the capacity to do that. So I really had to train myself in like, what am I feeling when I'm experiencing this and how can I like be content with where I'm at and what's happening and, and truly eliminate that guilt or that shame around whatever I'm making it mean when I walk out and, and don't do the thing I said I was going to do, because that's a deeper level of just respecting your own boundaries with yourself. It makes sense. Yeah. One of my clients, actually, she, she references this in every call. She's like, the thing you taught me about my budget is my lack of boundaries with myself mind-blowing I'm like oh yeah like it just was something I said and I was not even recognizing it's a thing and just recognizing that like having boundaries with yourself with your money that that is budgeting right absolutely yeah (laughs) I've said this I say this all the time budgeting is not supposed to be um a bad word right but we we all still hard uh yeah yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. And I guess what, what do you often find in general that women are missing when they come to you? Is there a certain aspect that you spend more time on? Yeah. So the common like words that are, are being used is I don't know how to get started with fill in the blank, right? I don't know how to get started with it's, you know, keeping to a budget, whether it's investing, building wealth, monetizing my skills, um, the focus lately in her money club this whole month has been um, cash flow management, monetizing your skills. And so, yeah, I just have loads and loads of comments around, you know, I don't know how to get started. And the, the question I respond with, is it that you don't know how to get started or is it you're afraid or like what's underneath that? Right. Because that's like the, just the common theme, theme of, and almost kind of remind them like, is this your excuse for not getting started? Right. Like you sure. can see this and no one asks you or questions you on the next step. Yeah. And I'm going to question you on the next step and say, <laughs> okay, well, how can you? And now you have to think differently and you, you, you can no longer stop yourself. Right. You get to move beyond that. Yeah. Which is a huge step for coaches in general, regardless of what the goal yeah. may be, whether it's finance or health or fitness, yeah. et cetera. So no, that makes sense. And uh, I think a lot of women, including myself, look for excuses uh, when we're hesitant or, or nervous or apprehensive about something that's new, right? What wisdom do you have you think is, is crucial for women to consider? Yeah, I think the best, I don't know if I'd call it advice, but like realization I had for myself is recognizing that we have a long life to live life is long, right? It doesn't just getting longer. (laughs) Exactly. So can we simply be on the journey of, okay, we have these goals, especially long-term goals, retirement goals, all these big goals, but can we like going back to the habits, take a step back and really create fun milestones along the way. Can we celebrate it along the way? Mm. Can we be in a state of abundance as we move through it? And can we just let it be a little bit easier for ourselves and starting to ask new questions around how that can be possible so that we aren't in this state of survival constantly, even like I have clients who 
have hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, and they still operate from this very scarce, like frugal mindset. It's like, can we just open up yeah. a little bit and like relax and enjoy it? Because this is your life. This is important right now to experience it in a way with ease and just fun, right? Like right. there, it yeah. doesn't have to be so um, scary. I yes. guess. Yeah. And, and you bring up your comment just now was interesting because you're not the first uh, speaker on this podcast to reference that uh, people with more money are less anxious about money than those that aren't as fortunate. Yeah. Is, is that something that you have found as well? Yeah. Usually with the wealthier clients, there's either like kind of two boats. There's either a lot of guilt around how they accumulated wealth. And so they want to try to give more away. So we mm-hmm. get to navigate that conversation yeah. or it's, um, and more often the, okay, I've created all of this wealth and now I'm afraid of losing it. And so there's a sphere kind of element of frugalness and like the things you did to get that wealth are not the things you're going to do and emotionally feel to keep it. And Absolutely. I think transition point is, is challenging. Very challenging. Yeah. It's so it's, it's emotional for everyone. And I think managing the emotions and, and what I love about your process is just creating these small habits and steps. Um, I loved your comment about celebrating along the way. I think that we, not, we don't do that enough. <laughs> so, so thank you for sharing that. Where, um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Yeah, there's an Instagram community called Her Money Club Community or on Facebook. We also have Her Money Club on Facebook. So you can find me hanging out in there. That's great. Thank you so much, Rochelle. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us and, and sharing the stories today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for listening to Women on Wealth by Women for Women. Stay up to date by subscribing to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, please visit www.principalwealthpartners.com or join us on Facebook and LinkedIn.